0: Hi! Welcome back to Paranormal History. I'm Bree And I'm Naomi. We're really excited about this week's episode. Today we are covering two locations near and dear to our hearts here on the beautiful island of Oahu, Hawaii. We live on Oahu, by the way. The first site we'll be talking about is the Kukane Loko Birthing Stones. After that, you'll get to
1: learn about the Kaniakapupu Ruins, also known as the Summer Palace Ruins.
0: This episode is very important to us for a few reasons. Valid information about Hawaiian culture and history can be hard to come by unless you went to school in Hawaii or grew up here.
1: Many people think of Hawaii as being paradise, and it is, but it's also so much more than that. The Hawaiian Islands are an energetic hotspot, and there's a reason why people from all over the world come here for spiritual healing, and sometimes physical healing.
0: Native Hawaiian people understood and respected all of the elements that make Hawaii so magical in a way that others didn't and still don't, honestly. The places we will be teaching you about today are sacred to the Hawaiian tradition and culture. Because of that, we will not be sharing the specific location of these sites. They are not tourist attractions like the places we have talked about previously. So, all that being said, please just be respectful. We're here to share some bits
1: of information about Hawaiian history that we find fascinating and talk about the energy there.
0: Without further ado, Naomi, want to get us started with the Kukaniloko birthing stones? Sure. In Hawaii, Kukaniloko translates to,
1: to anchor the cry from within. This ancient site is located in the geographic center of Oahu, and is estimated to have been built in the 12th century by one of the chiefs of
0: Oahu at the time. The native Hawaiian people referred to the birthing stones as the pico, meaning navel. They felt that this was an energetic vortex of sorts, where the veil was thin and souls could pass in or out of this world with ease. I thought it was interesting that they referred to it as the navel of the island, since the umbilical cord and belly button are very much associated with newborn babies.
1: The ali'i, or royals in English, gave birth at the stones because it would give them high-ranking status in their society. It was said that the women who gave birth here did not suffer the typical pains of childbirth and were required to follow a strict diet and exercise regimen in the weeks leading up to giving birth. This regimen was
0: typically recommended by the kuhana, or priests, of their tribe. The birthing stones are situated between Oahu's two mountain ranges, the Waianae to the leeward, or west, and the Ko'olau's to the windward, or east. Due to its location, many historians believe that it was not only used as a birthing site, but as a primitive calendar similar to Stonehenge. This also allowed the Hawaiian people to study astronomy from the site.
1: Hawaiians are very knowledgeable about the cycle of the stars. Much of this knowledge stemmed from the many generations of wayfinders or voyagers. Think of Moana
0: in Polynesian culture. They named places they were unable to physically see from the birthing stones, like the places on the other side of the two mountain ranges on either side of them. In modern society, this is called celestial mechanics. Keep in mind that they had to be very in tune with the celestial bodies and how they affected Earth, because that determined their fishing, sailing, and their crops. I found a quote from an article written by Christine Hitt in August of 2019 for FluxHawaii.com that I wanted to share. She interviewed Martha Noyce, who has studied the stones for decades. This quote summarizes the sacred art of connection associated with the stones. Let's hear it. Kukane loko taught navigation, it taught astronomy, it probably also taught oleo, language, and the use of Hawaiian orality and its poetics, its way of naming things. If you taught astronomy, then you're teaching the sky, and if you're teaching the sky, you're teaching weather. Birth is associated with, of course, Mother Earth, but it's also associated with the stars and with the plants that make birth more comfortable. Those plants may, not all of them, be associated with stars, which are associated with deities. You can't separate botany from medicine, from astronomy. So, the birthing stones weren't just a place to have
1: royal babies. It was a vortex of energy, knowledge, and science for the tribes of old Hawaii.
0: When the equinox sun sets over Mount Kaala in the Waianae range, it aligns with the birthstones at Kukaniloko, where mothers gave birth. Descendants of Hawaiian royals tell a story of a birth when a star cast a dagger like shadow. The royals who witnessed the birth said that the child would be the greatest king of his generation. Which rock and where the shadow fell was still known by locals. So, using astronomy software, Martha Noyes figured out it was the star Regalis. Other cultures also connect the star with kingship. So, it wasn't as simple as just popping out a baby,
1: though. 36 chiefs were present at each birth. 18 stood on each side of the woman
0: giving birth. Can you imagine having that many people
1: How would you even see? Like,
0: that would be like a huge circle. I don't know. You'd just be talking to the guy next to you like, Hey, it's been a couple of hours. Is there anything going on down there? Can you see anything? It's like a big game of telephone.
1: (laughs) The woman's legs were elevated in the air to assist in the birthing process. And once the baby was out, the mother and child were taken into a temple that once stood about 300 yards away from the stones. A ceremony was performed to cut the umbilical cord with bamboo, and a sacred gem called
0: hauea would be beaten to announce the birth of a new god among men. For royals who were unable to make the trek out to the birthing stones, there was actually a lot at stake. Birthing a child there guaranteed a high-ranking status, even though there are birthing stones on all of the islands. An example of this is King Kamehameha I, who is well-known as the king who united all of the islands during his time as a ruler. I didn't know there was birthing stones on all of the islands. There are, yeah. But these were thought to be special.
1: Okay. Interesting, right? I kind of want to go see the other ones to see if they're, like, just as big or, like, as many or, like, laid out
0: the same way. I'm curious. Same here. So once uh, we're allowed to travel again, you know, with the whole coronavirus thing, we should definitely go check out the other birthing stones. Anyways. Okay. Back to King Kamehameha, the first. It was no small feat to unite all of the islands at the time. There was a great deal of animosity between the tribes of the various islands, and even between tribes on the same island. Back on topic, King Kamehameha's wife, Queen Keowulani, was too sick to make the journey to the Oahu birthing stones. She ended up giving birth to their son, Liloliho, on the Big Island about seven centuries after the Birthing Stones were originally established.
1: There are legends that royalty who participated in cannibalism were not allowed to have their children at the stones. However, this has been argued by historians who say that rumors of cannibalism may have been fabricated by European settlers who were trying to make the native Hawaiians seem like savages and justify their colonization efforts on the islands.
0: It also may have been fabricated for tourism purposes. I could see it going either way. Honestly, I mean, we've heard many stories from the mainland as well where they, t- they tried to make the natives seem like savages. That's crazy. I've never heard of a cannibalism story before. Mm-hmm. There's actually, I came across quite a few of them when interesting I was doing my research. But again, none of them are confirmed, and a lot of historians don't think that they're true. But people do love macabre stories, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's true or not. Before we move on to our second side of the episode, we're going to talk about our spiritual experiences at the Birthing Stones here on Oahu. On my first trip out to the island to visit Naomi a few years ago, she took me to the Birthing Stones. She had gone there a few times before I had, so just, I guess, tell us what you thought about it. I originally came there because of the history that it
1: portrays and how cool it is that These women gave birth on a rock, and then how the rocks look um, was just fascinating. Also, um, I was always drawn to that place, and there was always light on it, like, from the sky. There's always light shining on the area.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, the first time that Naomi took me there, we encountered a lovely spirit. She tried to tell me her name. It sounded to me like Pakalua. Since then, I've talked to some of my native Hawaiian friends, and some of them think it is Pakalua, which means flower in Hawaiian. Well, that makes sense because what she
1: really liked on her stone were flowers, and she liked them in sunset colors.
0: Yeah, like reds, um, yellows, orange, mostly red and yellow, though. She also really likes... Um, salt, or uh, left as an offering, just like sea salt. They have it blocked off by a bunch of stones to kind of keep people from going in there. And she greeted us at the edge and was just so incredibly welcoming and excited that we were there and um, told me that she had given birth at the stones many, many centuries ago and kind of told me a little bit about Her time as a mother and um, told me that she actually is kind of a guardian of sorts. Like she's meant to be guarding the stones.
1: She also has her favorite stone. That's where, if you were to lay a flower or put salt around, that's where she'd prefer to
0: have it done. Yeah, Pakaloa is wonderful. I love her so much. And every time I've um, taken someone to see the birthing stones, She is always just incredibly excited that we're there and (laughs) very welcoming energy. That's the only way I know how to describe her. Yeah. did, Did you feel anything else from Pakalua?
1: No, she's always happy. Yeah. Always excited when you come and visit her.
0: Very positive. I feel like in a lot of our other places we've been, there's always some sort of scary or negative thing that we encounter. But this is one where it's very positive energy, very intense but very positive. The first time we went there, I and and times since, I've always noticed other spirits hiding in the trees, just kind of shy. Like, maybe milling around, but not really interacting much. Um, Pakalua is the main one that actually wants to talk and wants to make friends, I guess. She's very outgoing in comparison. Something interesting that uh, my son actually noticed that I never noticed before was that the trees are really warm there. I am not going to say that there's no scientific explanation, because that would just be foolish. (laughs) But But they are. Yeah. We were going to go there and... He goes, Oh, the place with the warm trees? I'm like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? But they are actually warm, come to find out. Just something interesting. Um, again, it could absolutely be because of its location on the island or the type of tree. No clue. Just something fun. But um all of that being said, you know, it is very positive, but it is a very powerful energy there. It is literally, I think, the womb of the world. I think the Native people were very spot on with their thought that it's kind of a vortex or a portal of sorts and a place where people can go in and out of this world easily. You know, you can feel it when you go there.
1: Yeah, and she's basically a guide to help others, I feel like, cross over.
0: Mm -hmm. Speaking of crossing over, did you want to share your story about your nice ghost friend? Sure. So
1: my mom and my aunt were visiting And my mom um, kept hearing music in the room, and I kept smelling cigar smoke. Now, I don't smoke at all, and there was nothing to play music in the room that my mom was sleeping in. Turns out there's this ghost lady, and her husband used to smoke cigars, and that's why she always smelled of cigars. So she was coming to visit me because she wanted me to help her cross over. She had already tried going to the Birthing Stones, and she couldn't cross over there. Something was in the way, some sort of blockage. Um, she wasn't able to do it, so she came and found me for some reason.
0: Which is funny because Naomi can feel things and sense things, but can't always directly see or communicate with spirits, so it was really fun to try to figure out what the heck this spirit wanted. <laughs> Correct.
1: The, the difficult thing, too, is... Sometimes when spirits come, they want to talk to me, and they want me to respond to them. And I can't always hear them, so Brie has to, like, be the in-between.
0: <laughs> Happy to do it.
1: I would be, like, driving to the store, and my truck started smelling like tobacco smoke because the spirit would decide that they wanted to go to the grocery store with me. Um, so I finally took her to the Birthing Stones, and I basically helped her cross over the wall or that rock lining that's around it and then pakaloa took her to help her completely cross over
0: yeah it was beautiful so you know the way that many spirits were brought into the world by being born as babies there i think they can also go out of this world through our lovely friend pakaloa who is so sweet and just loves flowers (laughs) like i'll bring you flowers they are just so nice. (laughs) And apparently
1: if they have problems crossing over, they come find me.
0: Yeah, apparently.
1: (laughs) It was difficult to find much about specific hauntings at the stones, although many Native people claim to have seen royals
0: guarding the stones. Have you seen anything like that? You know, I don't know if they're royals specifically, but, you know, I have seen quite a few people, mostly women, milling around. And then, you know, obviously Pakalua is always at the forefront whenever we visit. Right. So maybe she was a royal, I don't know. But it's not surprising, it was a sacred place to them for many centuries. I would want to guard it too. Are we ready to move on to the summer palace ruins? Sure, let's do it. The Kapupu Palace was completed around 1845 under the rule of King Kamehameha III. The parcel of land the palace was built on was called luakaha, which translates to place of relaxation. The original grounds included a perimeter wall, the palace, which was a large room with a porch surrounding the exterior of the building, a detached kitchen house, a garden, and a temple dedicated to Lono, the Hawaiian god of agriculture, fertility, peace, and music. In dedication to Lono, the palace was named Kaniyakapupu, which means the singing of the land shells. The palace
1: was built in the Nuuanu Valley, which tends to be cooler and has more shade than other parts of the island. It was a great place to escape in the summer months to relax, but it also allowed the Hawaiian royals a break from the western influence that had invaded their culture. At the palace, they were able to wear their native clothing and embrace their culture without it being looked down upon. A luau held there in 1847 in honor of Hawaiian Restoration Day is reported to have had 10,000 people in attendance
0: just a fun fact about the structure itself it's made of what looks like concrete to hold the stones together hawaiians crushed and melted coral from the reefs and made it into a type of plaster
1: very cool as legend goes king kamehameha had his warriors rest there during the battle of Pali in 1795. This battle is a huge one in the Hawaiian history. It was the turning point of King Kamehameha, the first unification of the islands that we talked about earlier.
0: After 1847, it seems that the palace was abandoned. There are no other known mentions of it until 1874, when a map of the area had a marker stating Old Ruin, where the palace was. Historians aren't sure why the palace was abandoned so soon after it was built, In the structure as it stands today, you can still see a single window. Supposedly, this was built off-center because the Hawaiians believed spirits called night marchers wouldn't be able to see them that way.
1: The night marchers are a bit of local folklore. As the legend goes, the night marchers are the spirits of the warriors who died in the Battle of Nu'uanu Pali. It's estimated that 400 men died during the battle and still roam the woods of the islands in an effort to protect
0: it. It's said that the night marchers carry torches, and some have even reported the sound of a drum beating. According to the legend, if you make eye contact with one of them, you will be killed. Supposedly, if you share a bloodline with one of them, you'll be spared.
1: To this day, many people still leave offerings at the palace ruins, whether it's for the night marchers or the
0: former king and queen. No one really knows. So... Let's chat about the energy at the palace ruins. Well, um, I do want to say the first time that I ever went there, there were people hiding behind the trees with weapons. So I would not be surprised if they were night marchers. Um, Although, you know, the legend says that you can't look them in the eyes and that they just march in a line. But I don't know if every single one of them does that exact thing or... Could you tell what they're wearing or do they look like... People
1: that would be warriors?
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. So that kind of made me think they might be night marchers. I didn't really know much about the legend at that time, though. So, you know, looking back on what other people have seen doesn't entirely match up with their idea of night marchers. But that's just what I saw. There is also a male energy guarding it. Every time I've been there, I, I have asked permission to enter because they are very protective. Again, completely understandable, especially since, unfortunately, you know, it kind of attracted a lot of tourists for a while there because someone had posted directions to it online. So, you know, there was some graffiti, some, um, some trash around the grounds, you know, stuff like that. Speaking of, a spirit actually asked me to pick up trash someone had left there at one point. I think it was a water bottle. Glad to help out. That's funny. Um, back behind the former kitchen area was super, super creepy. Yeah, I didn't want to go back there. It So whatever whatever was back there just didn't feel good. I didn't go past where the rocks were. They They didn't want you to go back there either. No, no. It, it just, like, it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. But, you know, for the most part, it's a pretty peaceful place. As soon as you go into the trees, it's like you can't even hear the hustle and bustle of the outside world. The one thing that I also noticed about this
1: place is there's always the sun shining right through the middle of the palace
0: ruins. Mhm. Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. And it's in the middle of this lush forest. So you basically have to walk through the jungle to get there. There's lots of bamboo. I mean, it's a very serene place, a really lovely place to meditate and kind of ground. And people do, like we said, they do leave offerings. Like, um, I've seen a lot of flowers and lays up there. I've seen fruit too. Mhm. Fruit. And um, just a fun fact, there's also lots of tea plants, spelled T-I- in Hawaiian culture, tea plants are thought to be very protective, both spiritually and physically. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's lots of tea plants around the edges of the ruins that look like they've been there for quite a long time. I assume that they were obviously planted after it was abandoned, but maybe they were planted by the natives to protect the integrity of the structure and the spirits there. Could be. Either way.
1: Um, one thing I did notice is there is one point As an empath, you pick up on people's emotions a lot, and at one point, I didn't know why, but I wanted to cry all of a sudden, and that's because a spirit who was
0: sad got right next to me and walked, like, right past me. Yeah, I remember that. That was weird. I think you even asked me, like, hey, um, did someone just walk up to me? I did, (laughs) because I'm like, why do I want to cry right now? That shouldn't be happening. Yeah, and another thing about the hike in, I f- always feel like I'm being watched the entire way up there. I don't know how you feel, Naomi. Yeah, it's
1: definitely a different vibe from the um from the Birthing Stones. Birthing Stones are like happy and cheery. Summer Palace Ruins is more like
0: watchful and I wouldn't say like darker, but protective. Yeah. To me, it it kind of makes sense that it would be that way, though, because that was also a place that was built so that they could get away from the westernization of their culture during that time, you know? Cause, mm, that makes a good point. Yeah, because they still had the royals, but there were a lot of attempts to colonize the islands at that point in history. So it was kind of a retreat for them, and they would only allow Hawaiian people there, So especially with um, us not being Native Hawaiian, I think it would make sense why they might be a little hesitant if they see us coming, even as spirits.
1: So question, in the summer palace ruins, when they find out that you can see them, how
0: are they towards you? Interestingly enough, every time I've been there, they almost expect that I can see them. The male energy that kind of guards the front, he has never seemed surprised. He'll just look me straight in the eyes and ask me what I'm doing there. So, or
1: maybe he thinks everyone can see him.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's, like, stuck in a loop or something. I don't
1: know. Or he's really mad when
0: they can't see him or they <laughs> pretend like he doesn't exist. <laughs> so disrespectful. The the ones in the trees, you know, they're much more shy when I go there. They don't, they don't pop out as easily. I don't know... Again, they, they don't seem surprised that I can see them either, but it's it doesn't make them really want to interact with me much. But when I whenever I explain what I'm doing there and that I'm not, you know, I'm just there to pay my respects, they loosen up a lot. And basically their condition is leave it better than you found it. And, you know, that one time they asked me to pick up trash for them, which I have no problem doing. So... Yeah, I mean, overall, um, not bad energy at all, just very fiercely protective of their culture and their space. Do you find, in general, it doesn't
1: have to be related to this, that have you ever encountered when a spirit finds out that you can see them, that they want to talk to you or want to tell you something?
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. All the time. I think that sometimes they get used to no one being able to see them, or they might even be confused. There's a lot of spirits that are confused about what happened to them, especially if they died suddenly or may have not made peace with what happened to them. So if they see that I can talk with them and kind of counsel them, I think it puts them at ease and gives them a sense of relief in a way. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on the palace ruins or? Nope. I'm all thought out. All right. We're all thought out. Thanks for joining us. If you do have any spooky stories that you want to share, whether it's folklore from your culture, whether it's a personal ghost story that you have, or even paranormal stories that turned out not to be paranormal and had an everyday explanation, please send it to us. We have a Facebook page. It's just Paranormal History. You can message us there. Or you can also send an email to paranormalhistoryinfo at gmail.com. And we'll read them and create spooky episodes. Yeah, so please send us your stories. We have one spooky sewed up so far. Um, We have some stories and we're working on the second one. So just keep them coming. Or if you do have any location suggestions for future episodes too. Just send us all your stuff. We want to hear from you. Send us all your thoughts. Bye. Bye.